Peltero Pickle, episode 19. In this week's episode, we talk about MLB's uh, recognition of the Negro Leagues. We talk about Kyrie Irving not wanting to talk to the press. Kara Lawson delivers a great speech to her team down at Duke Women's Basketball. And we talk about the social media Twitter poll where Trevor Bauer beat Jared Carabas to be the best Twitter account in 2020. Also, the Jets are terrible at losing. Check it out. <laughs> pre-show post-show welcome to Pelotero Pickle episode 19 it is we're recording on December 21st it'll be out tomorrow December 22nd we've got a show for you today Chris how you doing can't see your head I'm excellent Robert how are you you know why you can't see my head yeah, or my, my camo this is uh Blue Jays uh do you remember uh, like Memorial Day four or five years ago when, when Digi Camo came out and every team in the country got Digi Camo stuff and everybody kept saying Digi Camo and then I started to hate Digi Camo because people were saying Digi Camo so much? I'm not. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Travel ball world. You were too busy playing in the big leagues. You missed it. So funny story about this hat and camo. Uh, you know how most teams have the brown, right, for Memorial Day? Well, yeah. the Canadian Army does green camo, so we were the only team with the green camo. Actually, I might – yeah, here, look, it's, it's in, this is not planned out, by the way. So this was the Twins Memorial Day hat, and this is the Blue Jays. So I kind of like I'm, – I'm, I'm impartial to, the, uh, to either, but this is cool. I mean, I think it – doesn't it where, – where you're kind of going to battle determines what kind of digi camo you're wearing? color like if you're going to a forest you wouldn't want to wear the tan if you're going to a desert you wouldn't want to wear the green i mean if we're going to get deep into the roots of i'm just trying to see how many times i can say digi camo i i, I knew this was like your meow moment right meow i can't say meow because i got two dogs that are running around the floor they've been in a full-scale battle i feel like they're going into war right now because they're just i mean they've literally Every, I thought they were in an MMA fight for a second because, you know, uh, Clutch had Bolt in the uh, in half guard for a while. You know, Bolt reversed out of it, tried to get an arm bar in. They bite a lot, though. All right, well, let's jump into our topics and start things real easy on a Monday morning. MLB elevates Negro Leagues to Major League status. Reactions. I can go first if you'd like. Yeah, I'm curious to see what you have to say. All right. So my, my overwhelming reaction, so like top level reaction, overarching reaction is about damn time. This is a good thing. This is long overdue. Super talented players that needed to be recognized. And, you know, the, where the country was at that time needed to be fixed. Um, there's just a lot of ugly truths to our history. It doesn't change the fact that it happened, but it's about damn time. Second reaction was weird. How convenient major league baseball turned this into a hundred year anniversary thing. Maybe do it in year 97 because it's the right thing to do, but major league baseball is going to major league baseball turn it into a thing about, I'm sure they're making money off of this some, some fashion. So, uh, 
yeah, it's about time. Should have happened sooner. And we could talk about the records and stats piece because that's different, but overarching, it's a good thing. Big picture, yeah. Um, I sort of, agree, you know, sort of agree with you. I think I, to me, the hardest thing about the past is it's the past, right? So there's no, there's no, we can't transplant ourselves and, and really be in that time or feel the things that any of those people felt or had to go through. And you can only imagine the adversity that African-American players had to deal with at the time. And um, obviously people try to paint the picture for us through movie and, and, and book and story, but there's no way, and I say this wholeheartedly all the time, there's no way for me to ever be able to experience anything that any of those people ever had to go through. And because of that, I think it's, it's irresponsible for me to have an opinion as to the significance or importance of it. Um, to your point, it's about damn time because at the end of the day, the awareness of the fact that if it really is just a game, right? It's a game where it's about the game baseball. It's about the game. And, and from just a, a, a holistic view of what we're trying to say is what were the best players in the world doing? And to that point, I would say, Sadaharo O is revered as one of the greatest home run hitters of all time, and he played in Japan forever. So we certainly shouldn't discredit or devalue what he was capable of doing because he didn't play in the United States. Because if you're playing at the highest level of the game, whether it's in Japan, Korea, Italy, America, then you're doing something, right? You're doing something special. And I think the, the hard part is Major League Baseball has tried to capture this market and say, we are the best, right? We are, you know, the... Major League Baseball calls their championship the World Series. Exactly. And it's it's absolutely not that. It's 100% not that. Um, they've just marketed better than anybody else. But the game ultimately is being played globally, right? The game matters at a global level. And I think it's like a boys club, right? Like Major League Baseball is a boys club. It's only 30 teams. There's limited spots. But... I would love to see an expansion, an inclusion, and, and really start playing the game at a global level. And this kind of goes full circle to the, to the WBCs, and you get to see and experience the WBCs. Like, that's special stuff, man. And I, I, I would love to see the game trend more toward that. Um, obviously, this is completely different because it's, you know, we're talking about the, the, the Negro Leagues and, and the, the significance and importance of it. I'm happy that – you know, the families of these players, the, the grandchildren of these players will get to, you know, really feel this, hopefully. And I think that's, to me, the major significance comes in that, right? Because it'll impact those people the closest, if that makes any sense. Um, and beyond that, like, it's just, it's a good thing. It's certainly a good thing. And uh, uh, like you said, I, I just wish Major League Baseball wouldn't get to get catch the upside of this in so many ways, you know. Yeah, I think uh, so. The the social aspect of this is one thing. The statistical and the records is is an interesting discussion piece because they were different leagues, like you just said. Sadaharu O played in a different league. It, it's almost like if you could take Babe Ruth and put him in today's game, how would he do? Like we just don't know. You can't you can't take the best team. You can't take the the, the Yankees teams that were so great back then and transport them to current times so some of the some of the statistical stuff 
is, is pretty complicated. I've seen and read stuff about inconsistencies with home run totals, with batting averages. Um, people are going to get upset if Ted Williams is no longer the last 400 hitter. Uh, was it, is it Josh Gibson that had supposedly 800, roughly 800 homers or 800? They, they don't know because they didn't keep stats or at least they can't find the stats that there's, there's some websites out there that have done like extensive, extensive research, trying to create reliable stats. They just don't exist as far as I can tell, as far as I've, I've read. So you can't say, well, this player would have done this. This player would have been, you know, one of the best leagues. They, they, I forget who it was. It might've been Ryan Spader. The, um, he did a bunch of comparisons of like this player played in the Negro leagues and performed at this level, then went to major league baseball and performed at this level. And they were on par, but you could take a minor league guy that's in AAA that is like middle of the road player and they go to the show and they played at the same exact level. You could take a guy that hits 330 in AAA and put him in the big leagues and they tank. So you just, you, you never know what the reality is going to be unless you do it. And they, they didn't actually do it. They didn't actually play against each other. So it's, you, it makes it a lot, it makes it complicated. Um, the recognition and to say that, you know, as much as anything, just admitting that it was a, a, a dark spot in baseball's history and saying it, it could have been better and should have been better. And to recognize the players, I think is important, but the stat side of it is complicated because you can't, you just can't go back in time. The hard part again, and this is to the point I was making before is we're trying to, we're trying to identify things based on, things that are so far out of our purview that uh, there's, it's impossible. It's literally impossible for us to sit here and say, Oh, well, what, what statistics matter? Which ones are relevant? Should they be included? Shouldn't they be included? And the same way it's impossible for Adam Adovino to make a statement like, Hey, I would strike Babe Ruth out on three pitches and have any validity to it. Like you have no idea. You're like, it's, it's like the when people talk about the, the, the question, like they say something, a blanket statement that they know they'll never have to face down actually like going through with the challenge of, of winning, right? I, I, it's such an irresponsible thing to me because you're putting it out there, right? And you're saying, oh, I know, I know better, right? When you don't, there's, there's no, it's too gray, man. Like it's not, there's black, white, and then there's most of the things we deal with, most paradigms we deal with in life are gray. And I just think it's so, it's so irresponsible and, and so hypocritical and, and opens up so many cans of worms for just these never-ending battles of back and forth. And look, I, I know people like to debate about these things and, you know, sports talk, and I guess we're theoretically a, a sports talk show too. And, but why, why are we getting in a battle about opinions? Because you're not going to change mine. I'm not going to change yours. You can make arguments and I, you and I are probably more rational than most and can reason through things together and maybe have some give, have some take here and there, but we're, we're literally sitting here and, and it'd be trying to say, Oh, well, you know, that snow outside looks a lot like, you know, a Sandy beach. You know, it's impossible. It's really impossible to look at the statistical stuff, especially in a time when things weren't tracked well. So, um, the best you can do is say, Hey, this is what these players were, were capable of. This is what they did. They played at a high level. Certainly the talent evaluators at the time knew that they were capable of playing at the highest level and, and that's it. And then just take what they did for what it's worth and, and appreciate it and appreciate 
really that moment in time and how significant it has now become in life, really, and, and how significant it, it was as a moment that it's taken its place in history 100 years later, right? That's, that's super meaningful to me. As much as, as much as we hate the fact that it happened, right? And as much as we hate the fact that it was a moment, it was a dark spot in history, and it's led to, you know, these really defining moments and these great things. It, it, to make the same argument about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, unfortunately, was shot and killed and was one of the, you know, if not the most recognizable person in the, in the fight against racism in our, in our history, I would say probably, right? If you say Martin Luther King, everybody knows who you're talking about. And it's unfortunate he had to go through what he did in order to make the changes that we've made, but it's such a significant, impactful, recognizable moment. And I think this kind of stands in, in those same, at least within the game, it stands within those same kind of, uh, in the same kind of place to me. Yeah, significant for sure. Um, you could always say better late than never, but um, I, I just don't like the media spin of it where it's conveniently that it's a 100 year thing. It is what it is. It, it, it is better late than never, but um, I, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that it was, or maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it draws more attention to it. I, it's like, I don't know. It's a very heavy, very deep topic that uh, obviously we're not trying to like get ourselves in trouble talking about it because it's, it's real. It's a lightning rod type topic, but I just, I, I'll stand on the, uh, that it's a good thing. The stats are hard. And like you were saying, the fact that it's happening now speaks to the significance of it. So um, good thing. Curious to see how, how much conversation surrounds it moving forward. It's just like a one-time, just off-season dump, or if they do more about it as the season goes on. I'd like to. I'd love for there to be more. I think, just from a history of the game standpoint, like do documentaries on it. Do like go on MLB Network and educate people about these players and what what they were capable of and what they did, and uh, tell the story. That'd be awesome. Yep. All right, let's move on. Kyrie Irving hates the media. <laughs> um, got fined 25K for blowing off the media. He said, I don't talk to pawns. My attention is worth more. This is a, this is a professional athlete topic. Roles and responsibilities outside of being just the person between the lines. Uh, a lot of people don't know that professional athletes are paid as entertainers. Do you know if that's true for NBA as well? Like, it, yeah, it must be because we, I mean, I paid, I paid taxes as an entertainer, by the way, to, not to interrupt you, but this is a complete coincidence. I want you to know this. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a big Nike guy, predominantly Jordan brand, right? Like I would say 88% of my shoes are Jordan brand shoes. Look what I have on today. The KIs. I'm wearing Kyrie's. It's so ironic. I didn't even mean to, I swear to God. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, athletes are paid as entertainers, I think. And I just from a taxation perspective. Yeah. But it's like uh, if you're going to make a movie and then not do the promo tour, if you're going <laughs> to, you have to promote your product. It's part of the job. Um, I suppose if you like making money, then yeah. If you wanted to, I suppose you could write into your contract that you don't have to talk to the press, that you don't have to talk to anybody. You just, 
go home after the game and not do any sort of video or audio or talk to any other human being. You could put that in your contract. But promoting the brand, promoting the sport, promoting yourself, it's all part of it. So uh, I know that he skipped it one day and then the next day he was back to talking to people because 25K a day will start to add up. Um, yeah, I mean, you can just, if you want to speak about your experience dealing with the media, I know you acted as an interpreter for some of your Latin teammates. Like you didn't get paid extra for that, but. I asked for that salary though. They didn't give it to me, but I, I did. I made a request. Uh, there's a responsibility there and for you doing that helped them communicate things. And you know, their, their family could have been walking, watching back home and be so appreciative and like see that you're helping that player in certain ways. Like what's your whole take on, like you've lived it far more than I have. I think by and large, it, it should be considered an honor that people care about your opinion enough to ask you questions about it. Right. I think, I think athletes should feel humbled and super happy that people care enough. Mass media cares enough to ask them what they think about certain topics. Now, that being said, the landscape of the media has shifted. And I think it, it's, it's kind of the one bad apple kind of leaves a rotten taste in your mouth about everything type situation, right? Where one of the things you have to face down is the fact that at some point somebody's going to write something you don't like, or they're going to say something you don't like about you, period. Like that's, that's part of the, part of the job. You better recognize it before you get involved. Um, and I think we're, we're shying away from a, a time where, you know, it was worse. And like playing in New York or playing in a big time city where there's a lot of media attention, there's cameras everywhere. Like it was, hey man, it's part of it. You got to deal with it, figure it out. And I think we're trending toward a time where we're try, trying to be a little bit more sensitive to people's feelings and, and things like that. And I get it, right? I'm not, I'm not calling in the question. I think as a, as a journalist, you can say that this Per player didn't perform well or perform to his capabilities or his standards or the standards you expect him to and kind of not be a turd about it. Um, but if you look at the landscape of the media, like people are just trying to get clicks, right? They're trying to get attention. So what gets attention? Controversial stuff, um, you know, being loud, being eccentric. So I think some athletes have a tendency to just kind of shut off or get upset and get emotional about it when I think the best course of action is to just be as consistent as possible. If you stay consistent, then you're going to be all right. And that's case in point, Derek Jeter, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, consistent as can be throughout their careers, just never. And, and it comes from truth, right? It comes from being real. I always, I try to be as honest as possible. Like there was never a time I sat in front of a camera and lied, literally deliberately lied because I can't, like, you can't handle it. Or there was never a time I, I, I turned down an interview because you don't know how that person's going to respond to it. You don't know how that outlet's going to respond. So certainly, you know, there were times when obviously people would ask from afar or, you know, small journal, uh, small newspaper in, rural Wyoming, if you just don't have time for it, you know, you try to do the best you can. But when it comes to like dealing with the cameras that are in your face on a day-to-day -day basis, just go do your five minute, 10 minute presser and get out. Like 
answer the questions they have and move on. I think, you know, Kyrie has a little bit of a history with some stuff that maybe is not like the, the smartest decision-making in the moment. And obviously we saw it a lot here in Boston. So it's just, it's too easy to not do. It's not like it's not taken up like a massive part of your life. Like you said, you have a responsibility as an athlete. So just do it. Like, just do it. Whether you like it or not, say whatever you want. And the other thing about it is with social media, players can build their own audience and they can, if you've ever felt like you got a message misconstrued or somebody clipped a quote in a way you don't like it, you can just go on social media and, and speak to hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, just turn on your phone, record a video, put it out there. Like if you need to get your message out, it's not hard to do. 20 years ago, you couldn't do that. 10 years ago, you couldn't do that. So it's, it's a different landscape where I think you, use, you can use the press to your advantage as a player. I mean, look what Trevor Bauer's doing with, with his whole signing thing. Like who knows if this is going to make him more money, but it's getting him more fans. It's giving him a bigger audience. His momentum video company, production company is getting more and more eyeballs to it. Like he's building something that's going to benefit him. And you can play off the media to, to your own advantage, but uh, yeah, you just do it. Just wear it and just do it. Just talk, man. Just, just be, remember, there's going to come a time in your life where nobody gives a crap what you think. Like just, you should feel humbled and honored that somebody does enough to ask you a question about it. I, that's the way I, I look at it, right? I, I try never to give my opinion unless somebody asks me for it. And every time somebody asks me for my opinion, I, I feel somewhat honored and humble that it's happening, even if it's, you know, a friend, because at the end of the day, like, I don't, it's just my opinion. It does, like, it doesn't matter that much. We all have one. There's 8 billion people in the world. That's 8 billion different opinions. They could all be different, right? What makes mine so special? So I'm honored that you care enough to ask. Yeah. Next topic, Kara Lawson, Duke basketball coach, women's basketball coach. Um, she's a badass, by the way. She's, there's been a number of these clips. Uh, Duke does a good job with their media communications, um, put out a lot of good content. So she's given a speech to her team about preparation. And um, I don't know if it's preparation, doesn't guarantee a result, but it guarantees growth. And she's going on about how if you play a good team, you're going to probably prepare differently than if you don't. If you're playing a lesser team, you might take them for granted. You may not put the work in that you would against a better team. Um, I would say, number one, like just go ahead and follow Duke Women's Basketball on Twitter because I put good stuff out. Um, her messages are awesome. Um, Patrick wanted to know reactions. How does this factor into being a player and teammate? And then, yeah, just overall, overall thoughts on this. Well, she's talking about respecting opponents, right? And my, I think my favorite thing that she acknowledged was, she's like, I was a player once. And I remember we took some opponents less seriously than others, right? Like, um, the, the funny thing about growing up and playing, being a competitor and, and being part of a team is we're all going to do this at some point. It doesn't, it, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, right? We could say, Hey, respect your opponent right for over the course of a long season and there's going to come a time where you know the word respect has a certain connotation to it right I think you have to respect the team that you beat by 50 
in some capacity just for being out there. Now you can know that you're going to beat them and you can know that you're going to put it on them, but that shouldn't give you the right. And I think this is the part that I really like about the message is that, you know, we still have to play the game with some dignity here and, and understand how to just maintain some semblance of, of respect and honor in all of this. And, you know, it, it, this is case in point, all the stuff we were talking about in the summer with the Tati stuff and the bat flip and the three Oh swinging up by five. If we believe in what Carol Lawson is saying, I think by and large, anybody that watches that is going to go, what a great speech. This was really cool. But how do we embody that? Like we have to embody that. And I, I think there's a fine line as a competitor of like what line you cross and how much you really actually do respect your opponent ultimately in the heat of battle. And like, where, where is that line? Like is hitting a three is swinging three Oh up by six in the eighth crossing the line and and some people are going to argue no and some people are going to argue yes but because there's no perfect mold or blueprint what is respect you have to define respect yourself individually as human and i think her her main point in the speech was about you know leading to how we're going to handle preparation let me tell you something if you're playing basketball in the acc you better respect your opponents because on any given night you're gonna you're gonna see some thunder dude like you know what i'm saying like whether it's women's or men's like there's some fire coming at you um even from the team that's in last place like you know they're gonna have a chance to beat you and again and then all in sports they say there's a reason why we play the game right no matter what the spread is no matter what the outlook is so i think teams that have an ability to do that and you watch the patriots for the last 20 years not including this one um they did that for a long time and that's how you build sustained success in sports yeah, for me, it's the, the the cliche, how you do anything is how you do everything. So in like a blowout situation, there's aspects of, of like understanding the game. And I remember the, just the one specific instance where when I was coaching like a 14U team, there was a, a situation where this team could not get us out. Like the kid was throwing pitch to the backstop. It was like 20 to nothing in the second inning, it was just completely out of hand. So we stopped trying to score from third on wild pitches. It's like, what's the point? Like we need to just understand the moment and give this team an opportunity to get us out, not run up the score. Like just let's move this along. To me, that's respecting the game, respecting like your opponent where like if they're trying and they're just not that good, like you, you, you go things, you go about your business a certain way. There's like elements of disrespect that are just like showing people up. <coughs> where like doing bat flips like let's say I saw one Twitter clip, clip one time where like a right fielder had been brought into pitch and he's not a pitcher and he's just trying to throw strikes he's trying to help his team win and some kid did this like monstrous bat flip it's like dude that's that to me is disrespectful so uh, lack of respect and disrespect to me are, t- are different things where you so can- how- how, how does that change? But how does that change? You're talking about the bat flip off a pitcher or off a pitcher that came in from right field. It's not a pitcher. How is that different than being up by eight and facing the back end of the bullpen guy and bat flipping? It's not, in my opinion, right? Am I well, wrong? If, if it's professional baseball and guys are competing for their jobs, I mean, if it's eight nothing and you're bat flipping, like, what are you so emotional about? Is it you're just doing it for what reason? But that's what I'm saying. So, like, I think the game's gotten to that point where we live in a highlight world. Like everybody wants an Instagram clip. So like they have a cool, like in order to do a bat flip or a 
whatever celebration. Like when Marcelo Zuna did the selfie thing, like he had to think about that right beforehand. He was like, the next time I hit a pump, I'm about to go like this, right? So you're thinking about it in your brain. You're, you're processing the information. You're thinking about what you're going to do. Now, the difference between that bat flip and Jose Bautista's bat flip, the bat flip, is the fact that that was strictly an emotional reaction to the moment, right? So how do we decipher one or the other? Well, it takes our better judgment as humans to figure it out, right? It takes our better judgment. And we can have opinions, again, because at the end of the day, but, like, my opinions are founded in fact. Like, if you bat flip up eight nothing, you're a turd. Like, you're a turd. Like, it's an, like, dude, stop it. That's, you're, like, you punked a guy already. You're already punking him. Like, you're winning 100 to nothing. Like, what are we doing? That moment, that moment is strictly about you if you're doing that. And that's, that's the stuff that, like, that really irritates me is when it's – when you're taking the, the focus of that moment, of the team, of the game. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be greedy and want to be successful and want to hit homers and want to be the best player. That's not the point. But, like, when you're taking advantage of that moment to make it even more about you, that's where it's crossing the line a little bit to me. So, oh, full circle, follow Duke women's basketball. Carol Lawson was a very, very good player. and Really good player. He uh, seems to be a very good coach now, too. I haven't checked Duke's win-loss record. Maybe I should do that. Side note, I dreamed about going to Duke my whole life. So, when I, got, I got to watch a Duke basketball game from, like, the second row when I was in college, right behind the bench. And uh, it was so cool. Oh, my God. What, they were playing Fairfield. And you want to talk about – they, they beat Fairfield by 50 that night and the student section didn't sit down the whole time. I, they were, it was awesome. It was unbelievable. And now we have a couple of, you know, a couple of our athletes that we've dealt with that go there. So I'm like, man, I want to be just like you when I grow up. Yeah. That, that's a good place to go watch a basketball game. I would imagine I've never been, but I'd like to. So Duke's currently three and one. They just got smoked by Louisville. 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 30, uh, 73 to 49. That's tough. Yeah, that ain't it. Told you. But, uh, I'm trying to see if they're ranked. I can't. Uh, rankings are weird this year. You, it's hard to look at top 25 rankings. Yeah, I just want to see. So, all right, let's move on. Post show. Uh, there was a poll by Danny Vietti. Created a, it was like, what, 64 people that there's just this big Twitter poll. Who's got the best social media personality in the baseball space? And uh, there was a vote. It was like, I think every 12 hours or 24 hours, there was a, um, a bracket update. Let me get some of that. Let me find the bracket to see who was actually in it. Where's the bracket? So we had like Pitching Ninja, Baseball Context, Baseball Quotes, Cut Four, uh, McCutcheon, Jeff Passan, just the who's who of of big Twitter personalities. And it was the contest name was best baseball Twitter user of 2020. Trevor Bauer won. Does that, does that summarize it well enough? Chris, are you familiar with this? Do you care? Yeah. This is my opinion about it already. Yeah. You got to say something. I know. I'm just, I I thought the camera had already switched over. Maybe did. I got the yellow, I got the yellow square around me. No, I'm so, all right, cool. Like, I, I get it, right? We're, it was just this arbitrary whatever. Uh, hey, let's have fun, figure out who people like the most. And 
you know, if you'd done the vote on a Tuesday, it probably would have gone one way. If you do it on a Thursday, it might go another way. Um, I agreed. Very, very close. Like the, the finals, there was 117,000 votes, 51.9% to Bauer, 48.1% to Caravas. Pretty close. I mean, that's a lot of votes. Well, and to that point, right, Caravas has an audience built in through Barstool, and he, he's – He's done a decent job, I think, of being polarizing enough to – as like a Red Sox uh, lifer who built his initial foundation on being a Red Sox fan and writing all about Red Sox content. Portnoy snatched him up, which was really smart. Portnoy's a genius, so um, kudos to him for that. But, um, yeah, I mean – Bauer Bauer's coming with just the type of authenticity and real looks at like the deep inner workings of what the sport has to offer, which is awesome. I think that's the, that's the stuff that I had dreamed about when I was a kid. Now, I think the thing that's stupid is the fact that he has to do it himself. And I think he'll agree with that. And the fact that he's having to build his own media channel to promote, himself whether he likes it or not um is neither here nor there um i think trevor's a pretty good conversation to have like super interesting played with them in cleveland there for a little bit we talked every day in the, in the dugout super smart uh really just interesting deep conversations very him and i are very similar in terms of like just getting kind of cerebral with some things like he's probably more when it comes to mechanical and foundational stuff so i really appreciate what he's doing from the perspective of giving people an opportunity to see like the life and just kind of see backroom stuff that they would never get a chance to, because that was my always what, you know, you can see everything else on television, right? You see the game, see the dugout, see what happens on the field. It's just the other stuff that was always interesting. So from that perspective, yes, Bauer, I, if I had to vote, I would have voted Bauer right from a genuine human place. To that point, like the pitching ninja thing, uh, we've done some really cool stuff, obviously, from that perspective. I don't really know any of the other accounts that were in there. Like you said, Cut 4. Trying to – Cut 4 does, like, funny off the – That's like a major – Yeah, yeah, like off-the-cuff stuff. But I'm glad that they didn't – Cut 4 is not even in the conversation because, you know, you're, you're really – whatever we're talking about here is kind of art to me, right? Like all these accounts, like your Twitter – is art it's you painting a picture of who you are and your personality and stuff like that so um at the end of the day none of it matters unless like you're just trying to grow an audience it does but it doesn't like right like it's not i don't know it's weird it's just weird that we're we're sitting here having a conversation about the best the best twitter account in baseball because like ain't no twitter account ever hit no homer well it's almost like uh it's like a movie award show or TV, like who was the best actor in a TV show? It's in terms of the media world, in terms yeah. of like what, what like people consume. Right. It's become what people are paying attention to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last topic. Jets. Can't even tank correctly. What are they doing? <laughs> Auto fumbled every snap. Like it, all right, as an athlete, should you be at the point where you get there where you're like, all right, we just need to lose? In the NFL, it's much easier, right? You play 16 games, right? In the NBA and, and the big leagues, like it's impossible to go, oh, in the season. 
But like in the NFL, should you just be like, yeah, we need to get Trevor Lawrence? Man, it, I think they needed to. Yeah, the Jets have been really bad. Um, as a player, I think you need to take some pride in what you're doing each day. Sure. But oh man, from an organizational standpoint, find a way to lose that game. You know what? I'm glad they won because this, like, we, we're seeing in baseball too much, right? We're seeing in baseball, like, there's eight teams going for it, and it's everybody else is just like, whatever, you know? Uh, I, you know, the hard part about the NFL and the hard part about professional sports, so you got 32 teams, six teams get in on each side, so that's 12 total. So you're about, about 30% uh, – 38% of your um, of your league is getting into the playoffs, right? In baseball this year, what was it? They did an extra – there was an extra round or whatever. So eight – did eight get in on each side? They all had to play like a division series or a whatever, best of three. I think it was eight. And so now you went 16 out of 30. So now you had 50-something percent of your population get in. In the NBA, we're – you know, 16 out of – there's 32 teams in the NBA. Is that right? Or is it 30? I can't – I never remember. I'm a big NBA guy. Couldn't but so, again, like a massive part of your of your league is getting in. In the NFL, like now, granted, if you were 0-14, I mean, probably not getting in the playoffs no matter what, right? But the pride aspect of it, like I'm, I, you have to play. Like you just have to play. You have to go compete. Like as a competitor, there's no way you're going on the field and like, I'm going to try to lose. I had a buddy that worked for the Dolphins a couple years ago, and he was – you can't. Like, it's unheard of to go into that locker room and say, hey, just go lose the game. Like, you wouldn't do it. Like, especially – this goes back to the, the professional athlete side of it where it's like, hey, you're playing for your job. So, I mean, you could still come with it even though the team loses. So, it, it's hard, and I'm glad they won. I mean, they need to win even though Jets fans find a way to spin it into something bad, they'll still they'll be upset anyway. How can you not be upset if you're a Jets fan in general? Yeah, I Mike think, McMillan, I'm talking to you, man. I think relegation is the answer. If, if you could get sent down to a different league, you get relegated. If your revenue is dependent on it, you're going to start to see some different, different decisions being made. Um, well, that's the beauty of European sports, right? Like the of most – any other league outside of the professional leagues in, in the U.S. You'll look at soccer in Italy. That's all sports in Italy is relegation and promotion. Love it. Love relegation. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if like uh, who was terrible this year in Major League Baseball? I was gonna say the Rays because they had super low payroll and it was a <laughs> the World Series. Who would get relegated? The Red Sox uh, relegated this year. They stunk. Yeah, the Red Sox finished last in the East. Relegate. They got to go play in Pawtucket. Our the Wisconsin. Royals were pretty bad. Red Sox got yeah. it. You get to bring up the triple A team. It's weird though, because then you, yeah, you got like a, you can't send a team down. I, I know, uh, I think in Germany, like one of the, one of the teams that got promoted had like a really small stadium. So it didn't even make sense where like one stadium holds 10,000, one holds 100,000, 100,000 stadium team gets relegated. And then the 10,000 stadium team gets promoted. That happened to Juventus. Juventus had to, uh, they had some, they got suspended for something. So they had to play down in A2 for a couple of years. Like in Juventus is like the franchise in soccer in Italy, right? 
And, you know, you get these people, like, they're down in A2, and you're like, what are they doing here? And then, I mean, the problem with that, the problem with that dynamic is, right, you're not, ultimately, you're not giving those smaller market teams a chance, really, right? Like, they they can't come up and have a stadium that, that, that seats 10,000 in a small town and really ultimately ever get to that place where they're going to go compete with a Juventus or something like that. Now you have to take a model like the Rays or whatever, but there's no profit share. There's no revenue sharing. And that's part of what <clears throat> helps professional sports in the U S and the model that we have here as you know, these industries of economic growth and power, it's what allows them to work because the Yankees supplement the Marlins revenue, right? The Yankees help the Rays go, okay, well, we're going to be an investable asset for whoever wants to buy us instead of like, no, 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 we're just going to let the Rays rot. Cause the, and it comes down to the Yankees recognizing that they need the Rays, right? The Yankees, cause at the end of the day, the Dodgers need, you know, the Royals to be able to play baseball because to, to be the Dodgers, like to be the hero, you have to have a villain or to, you know, if everybody's a hero, if everybody's awesome, then you ain't got nobody that sucks. Mm-hmm. Last thing, Tom Brady, another another uh, comeback against Atlanta. Dude, I've been waiting for this moment to hold Zam show, bro. Dude, my guy saw me. He's, you know, everybody's thinking he's going to go down there to, to Atlanta, bro, and like him and Robbie are just going to tear everybody's head off. But you know, the box got down fourteen nothing, dude. They were, I think it was fourteen nothing. I saw it at one point. I was getting a little nervous, but I know my guy saw me. All he needed was a recharge with some Dunkin' Donuts coffee there at halftime, bro. And, like, you know, it's crazy because I had a buddy got Mike Evans on his fantasy team. He's like, bro, Mike Evans sucks. Like, this guy don't catch no balls this year. You know, he's got all the touchdowns, but he ain't getting no yards. So, he's like, you know, I, I want to draw Mike Evans in the middle of the game. And then Mike Evans caught six balls for 110 yards, and Tommy did it again, dude. I think from now on that Tommy should have to stack games down 28 to three all the time, because when he's down 28 to three, dude, it's an automatic win. Like, I don't even think it's fair that other teams get to start at zero, zero against them. Tommy's the man. Well done. That wraps episode 19 of Peltero. Pickle. It's still the same point first. We'll see you tomorrow on the 22nd. Pickle out. Yeah.